Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to another GDT podcast. Uh, I am your host, Cody Coster, with me from Chicagoland, Mr. John Spain Howard. John, how are we doing on this hot Tuesday afternoon, my friend? Doing pretty well, Cody. Uh, the thermometer says it's supposed, or the forecast says we're supposed to touch 100 degrees today. It's uh, three o'clock and it is 97 degrees here on my Apple Watch. We'll see if we make it to 100. I have my doubts, but uh, when you're splitting hairs between 97 and 100, that's still pretty hot, right? That's still pretty darn hot. A little humidity, I, I would imagine. You know, I, I yeah, I just I, I really can't complain right now. It is I guess the humidity's out there, but I grew up in Kentucky, so there's no amount of humidity that Chicago can throw at me that you know that hurts. All right, so you're a little unfazed. <laughs> I'm a little unfazed, but uh, others I can understand. Maybe some cows are affected by this too, but uh, we we Southerners uh, for sure know humidity worse than this. Absolutely. Well, we'll uh, we'll get into the effects on the cows here in a little bit, but first jumping in to the actual GDT today that happened on the 21st of June. The biggest jump out to you, I would assume, Cheddar. All in all, a somewhat boring auction result comes in within expectations for most things. Butter was up 2.4, S&P up 1%. Uh, bizarrely, let me back up here. Bizarrely, AMF was down 4.7. So AMF down 4.7, butter up 2.4. Just a little bit of split there on uh, how the fats behaved. You know, it's always important to remember that AMF is its own product. It may be fat, but it is, you know, a, a specific type of fat and it has very specific applications to it. So those two split whole milk powder down 0.6% from what I can tell. No real confusion this time. Remember, we've had two auctions in a row that, you know, the, the front end whole milk powder would be up on the regular, but the back end instance kind of stuff that would be lower. We run into that every few years and it gets a little bit confusing. It seems like we've cleared that up and brought everything back into stability. So down 1.6 on whole milk powder. That was just a teeny bit below what expectations were. Moving over to the, the biggest surprise, though, if you will, was cheddar coming in 9% lower today on today's auction, coming in at an equivalent price of $2.21 a pound. So, you know, I think that was one that people specifically here in the cheese market, you know, we, we moved lower today after the auction came out. And so when you're looking at cheddar as a potential export product, when you see one of the major markets for exports come down, uh, GDT cheese come down to 220, there is certainly something you have to take note of and say, wow, that there's that makes us a little bit less competitive with uh, New Zealand at this point in time. Still cheaper, but, you know, 221 versus 217. Um, not not much. That's kind of splitting hairs between 97 and 100 degrees there, right, Cody? Exactly, exactly. Putting that together, though, and trying to, you know, explain away why was everything else lower and cheddar, or everything else relatively steady and cheddar was lower, there's an argument to be made, that, and, and one that we've probably been making here over the course of the last few auctions is that the boats are moving here. And I think maybe since our last auction result, we had exports come out and our exports of cheese in March were a record cheese number. And our exports in April were just, you know, a shade below that. Follow that up. You know, we don't expect the month of May to look too much different. And I wouldn't expect the month of June to look too different. 
So there's an argument to be made that now that the boats are moving and uh, you can actually get product out, remember we were cheaper for a very long time on spot and forward basis, bases, base I, I suppose. And uh, that allowed us probably to rob a little bit of demand out of the New Zealand cheddar section there. And we were able to supply a little bit more and people demanded a little bit less. And we have what we refer to as convergence in the commodity market. Two markets that uh, were wildly apart have now come into each other and they're now at at relatively the same price. And so those things happen. However, you know, it's easy to say, well, 221, 217, that's the cheese price or 214. Yep, you could say that. However, the European price is still at about $2.66 a pound. So we do have to be cognizant of that, that there is still pretty big potential for export out there against the European price. I was going to say, so that, let's call it 50 cent discrepancy between uh, EU's cheese price and our sitting at 214 in the States here. New Zealand's at about 221 from the prices that you had posted earlier, John. Would EU, would it be cheaper for them to go to New Zealand to pull some of that cheese over? Even if it is a little bit more expensive, would the freight charges be that much less to make it compensated? Depends on where it's going and it depends on uh, who's demanding it, I suppose. I think what you'll probably see is not necessarily somebody from Europe buying New Zealand cheese, but maybe you'll see somebody that might buy from Europe buy New Zealand cheese, right? And, or, or out of the U.S., you know, everybody's got a little bit of a different spec that they need or might have, you know, a shipping lane that's open that makes sense to them. But what I think you'll definitely see at this point in time is the U.S. and the New Zealanders, specifically the U.S., I think we'll be filling some demand here. And until we see European prices fall, I think that the, uh, we're kind of wide open here in terms of still what we can do in terms of exports. It's important to remember that, and I have to keep it into context sometimes, I get a little overexcited about it. You know, you see that ch- or that New Zealand cheddar price take off like we saw back in the spring here, and you say, wow, the, that, that's a very important price. And it is a very important price. But at the same point in time, it's important to remember that there is a you know a, a specific group of people that buy cheese on the GDT and, you know, There's just not a whole lot of product that's offered up on there and not a whole lot of people that buy it as a result there. So therefore, if if somebody's gone or a few people are gone, you know, or uh, the price can really fall. Conversely, if one or two extra people, demanders show up looking for product, you can really get a, a price spike like we saw this fall or excuse me, this spring. I want to be clear about that. Absolutely. I guess shifting gears a little bit, John, kind of looking at the butter side. Up 2.4% here on the GDT that we had this morning. Pretty aligned with what everybody was thinking? Or was that kind of a little bit of a you know a head fake with everybody? All in all, I think it's kind of in line. It, it maintains a, a supportive price. I do think it's important, you know, we're at 282 on butter on the GDT. Excuse me, 275 when you translate that in. So, you know, we're at 293 on the CME. New Zealand butter is cheaper than the U.S., and the EU, I believe, is about $3.33. So the EU is commanding the highest price. We're the mid-tier, and then New Zealand comes in the bottom. And so for New Zealand to catch a bid and, and move higher, that doesn't surprise me at all. But I, I do think it does show, you know, and we can talk about this in a little bit more depth, that 
the, the Chinese are here. They're, there's for sure. They have not gone away, but they're not here with the force that, you know, we probably would have expected. Um, and so when they're not here, you can really see that prices start to fade down a little bit, right? And sooner or later, the New Zealanders say, well, if I'm not going to sell whole milk powder, I got to sell other products, right? And I think so far they've done a really good job of being able to, to move whole milk powder to other regions. And, and whole milk powder, while, while coming lower, is, is you know it's found a, a pretty solid round of support up here, and, and, and it feels very supported. But you know, the New Zealanders are going to have to, you know, switch course and say, look, eventually, if the Chinese aren't here, the Southeast Asians probably can't suck up everything that we've got. And we've got to go find alternative markets and we've got to turn it into product that those markets want. And that's not always necessarily whole milk powder. That's butter. That's skim milk powder, cheddar and AMF, right? They're going to go out and, and seek the highest return, but they're also going to seek the markets where they can move this milk. If we come down the road here and we see the Chinese show up and come back with the force that we would have expected them to, well, then different story, right? Then whole milk powder is going to take the lead again and up we're going to go. It's just as simple as that. So when we go into the diagnostics of the of the auction here, the, the Chinese, you know, last week they, they weren't or excuse me, two weeks ago, uh, they weren't here in any great uh, uh, amount. And, and people that really concerned people. This time we'll say they did return. Um, they were still 31% lower than last year. However, it, it was a good showing. And then when we look at Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia bought a little bit less here on the exchange this time or on this auction, but they were up 71%. South and Central America combined up 129%. Where we lost a little bit of demand was out of the European market and out of North America. But if we really look, China kind of did come back in the fold here, and that was probably the most supportive part of this. Southeast Asia still in there, still still sucking this stuff up. But it, again, we need, in order for these prices, at least on the New Zealand auction, to, to stay elevated, we're going to need to see the Chinese step back in here. Absolutely. And like you mentioned, they're kind of doing that uh, slowly but surely as they come out of their quarantine, it seems. Yeah, I mean, that has to be a part of it. I think another part is, is that during their quarantine, as you know, Cody, you don't just turn a cow off, right? Um, and you don't just say, well, it's hard for me to move that milk, so I'm just at, ask her to, to stop making milk. It just doesn't work that way. They still had milk. They wanted to keep the industry moving. They took as much milk as they possibly can and turned it into whole milk powder. Just the most easily easily storable and translatable and fungible product that they could use in their own internal market. It, it's created a little bit of overhang, and the argument could be made that the demand is there, but there's just some supply internally on the Chinese that needs to be sucked up and digested before they really come back into the fold. Well, and speaking on the, on the uh, supply side, you know, we waited a little bit for the USDA to release their May milk production report, which they did this afternoon. And we came in for the month of May 0.7% lower uh, as a country over here. But John, equating that to some of the countries that we're seeing overseas that we've got information on, uh, just looking at a weekly stance, you know, France, this is ending the week of June 12th, was down 2.5% on milk production. Germany, week of June 5, down 0.9%. And the UK was the big one for the week of June 11th, down 3.4%. So, you know, we know commodities are a big supply and demand function, 
But if everybody in the world seems to be depleting some of the milk production, there's got to be a little bit of a change to the tone of the GDT auction coming up here pretty soon, right? Because last week was the first one, if I remember correctly, first GDT two weeks ago, I'm sorry, that was actually positive in six preceding GDT auctions, right? Well, Cody, it brings us to the very high-minded argument of which is more powerful right now, supply or demand? Um, and I think that's what a lot of economists are wrestling with out here is saying, I recognize that U.S. milk production is down 0.7. I recognize that one of the major engines of European milk production is down 2.5 and 3%. I recognize that New Zealand is down 5%. That is pretty bullish. Uh, so on the supply side, we're not there. On the demand side, though, there's a lot of, and when I say pontification, I don't mean that in a negative way. Uh, I just mean a lot of a lot of people are out there with an idea of what they think demand is going to do as a result of inflation slash recessionary effects. And so I think there's there's no doubt that higher prices have started to ration off some demand. There's just no way around that. And there's no way that $6.50 a gallon gasoline doesn't start rationing prices demand off for not only gasoline, but for other things. And, and we have started to see that, that re, you know, those effects start to creep into the demand numbers a little bit. However, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it, it's really hard to, to know what the absolute result of that demand uh, or of that inflation slash recessionary effect is. We, we just don't know. And Matt Gould, our, uh, one of our market analysts, put out a report uh, last week. And part of it was to say, uh, you know, looking at what prices do, dairy prices do during a recession and trying to use those historical results as a, as a way to forecast the future, it's a little inconclusive. And from the standpoint that you, you just can't say that, you know, we're going through a recession, that's bad for dairy. The late Jerry Dreyer always used to say, you know, you can make an argument that a recession is actually good for dairy products because people might step out of a higher end restaurant and step down into pizza. Right. And say, you know, maybe maybe I'm not taking the family for a steak dinner or or maybe, you know, whatever they might normally go to. But you know what? Uh, I still don't feel like cooking tonight. So let's order pizza. Right. And and, you know, that that's just a really hard number to get inside of. However, there's no doubt that the demand side is waning a little bit on the domestic end of things. We, we can't step away from that. It's just a matter now of saying, you know, where does the a slowdown in demand and how big is that demand? Where does the rubber meet the road on 0.7 percent lower milk production? And I, I, I myself, I, I can't even venture to to get in there. I know Matt Gould has looked at it and said, you know, he prior to this report and maybe things change now that this reports out and he has a little bit more numbers to go through. But expecting these higher milk prices, even against these higher grain prices to say that that should stimulate milk production. We talked to a group in Europe last week that said, you know, the price has been raised to dairy producers in certain countries in Europe. And they looked at it to say, if that doesn't incentivize milk production, I don't know what will. Right. And and so they were looking at it through that effect and then and then quickly came back and said, but it's not necessarily it's not a, a direct route to these higher prices and getting milk production. 
to, to bump up. Yes, they expect some, but they looked at it and say there are still environmental effects and environmental regulation effects in Europe that can trump that, right? And, and, and kind of supersede the incentive. And so they're, they're kind of concerned about it to say, we really want to watch this because if we don't get it out of these, of these prices we're paying, then we've got a bigger problem. Right. Come, come back here in the U.S. and you could say, well, margins haven't been great, but they've probably been good enough to stimulate a little bit of milk production. And look what we got out of this deal. Negative point seven. Right. So I think we're, we really have to keep our eye on that. There, there are people that feel like milk production just really isn't going to move that much as we move through the, the balance of 2022. And I think to your point, there are a lot of things in our country over here that have been waning on that also. Yes, milk prices have been high even with the feed correlation, but you throw in to the mix, you know, getting folks to work, paying them higher wages, different government regulatory agencies that might be waning on it also. And just infrastructure, people that were looking to build barns a year and a half, two years ago, that have now kind of come to it. If they didn't have those products locked in, the lumber, the metal, the building company, the interest rate alone, I think that's starting to see a big hindrance on the milk production side of our country, let alone what's happening overseas. You know, it all has to add up. And admittedly, um, I don't find myself at the farm level or or studying things that that sharply, but I I definitely can look at it to say there sometimes it's just not uh, the price or the margin that's going to drive milk, at least in the immediate short term, right? Um, There are going to be other factors in there in terms of, like you said, capacity. What if I were to expand my milk supply? Is there the capacity in my region to process it? Right. And and maybe in, in some regions, there's production caps, right? There's all kinds of things that can stop this and slow it down. But for right now, Matt has done such a great job of, of helping us through the past few years. And, you know, I look at his milk production forecast right now and he's still looking for, you know, milk to grow here. And, and we'll see how that goes. So and, and one thing I think he really wanted to be clear about is that, you know, if you look at his numbers, yes, they're lower in the fourth quarter than where we might be right now. But there's still a very high number, right? It's still a very, it's it's not like we're we're looking for gloom and doom here. It's just the idea that we should see an you know incentivized milk production uh, here and in Europe. And if that's the case, again, if the European market starts to fall, right, then that's really where I think you'll hear my tone change out there and say, well, gosh, that that really starts to deplete and cut into our ability to export. But for right now, European prices are still exorbitantly high, especially in the cheese market. And and that just really leaves opportunity for us to export and be part of uh, of that world market and take advantage of that. And, you know, again, they're they're high in butter as well. And it it is difficult to uh, get butter into Europe, but that doesn't mean that we can't put butter into other places that Europe might export to. And so I look at it to say, while European milk production is lower, and the result of that is that European prices are high, that's probably very supportive of the U.S. If we start to see milk production in Europe start to pick back up in a, in a monumental um, way or, or one that really, you know, 
is uh, more than just a half a percent here or there, but you really get into positive territories. Well, then we've got something else to talk about um, and we can look for lower prices uh, or, or, or much lower prices. So for right now, I think we're we're kind of stuck in this range here and I, I think we're going to see higher prices. You know, we'll be supported um, to higher from here throughout the summer and we'll see what milk production does. Absolutely. Well, besides the cheddar price and the GDT, John, and China kind of slowly but surely coming back into the auction, was there anything else that really stood out for this trading session? You know, we're in a bit of the summer doldrums out here. And again, I'll, I'll go back to the idea that everybody that's that's looking at this and trying to look at prices, I'm assuming is trying to match up the idea of supply versus demand. And what does less supply mean to a little bit less demand? And does demand get worse as we move down the road? Does demand get better? You know, I, I think we're all trying to figure that out. And, and really, does supply react or does supply not? Those, obviously, those as part of our job to try to forecast that and figure that out. But I think now more than ever, it's a little bit more difficult than uh, what people are used to. So we'll, we'll see where that takes us. But I would, for me, this is going to be less about demand and, and trying to forecast the demand side of things and more about the supply side. If we get that supply response, you bet prices are going to be lower. If we don't get a, you know, a, a supply response of consequence, I think you can make the argument that prices are going to stay very well supported here through the end of the year and possibly into Q1. So I'll leave it at that and say, I wish it was a little bit more exciting of a <laughs> of an auction and give us something to talk about today. But here we are, and we'll say a negative 1.3. We'll, we'll call that about steady. Perfect. Well, uh, with that, it's going to do it for another GDT podcast with myself and John Spainhauer. If anybody has any questions, comments, concerns, please shoot us an email, give us a phone call, try to answer them as best as we can. Um, but for another two weeks, everybody hold tight. Enjoy the heat if you like it, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.